Hello, and welcome back to RPG Quest, the podcast where we do not play D&D. And once again, we are going deep into the unknown horrors, the ancient and the evil with Call of Cthulhu. (laughs) My name is Chris. I am your host and keeper. But of course, the real star of the show is our player for this scenario. Uh, Brendan, a.k.a. Panda, a.k.a. Detective, I almost said Doctor, Dr. Jack Cassidy, <laughs> <laughs> Doctor of Crime. Hey, he went back to school for a few years. <laughs> uh, Detective Jack Cassidy. Hello. Yeah, thanks for having me back, man. Thanks for, uh, yeah, thanks for coming back. Well, where we left off, uh, our Detective Jack Cassidy was uh, fleeing the scene of a crime in his car as he just set fire to the warehouse of the most honorable crew of swords where they were making their their floats and posters and flags and designs with this yellow sign the symbol of their crew for this year's Mardi Gras um, and of course this evil symbol of the uh, the king in yellow as you've discovered you know we see uh, Jack Cassidy you know flooring it back to the apartment the uh the, the burning warehouse, um, you know, off in the distance now. And you hear the sounds of sirens as uh, the fire department and police uh, begin to descend on the uh, on the scene. Yeah, I think he, like, full speed. He's probably high on adrenaline, like, laughing. Uh, beats on the steering wheel a couple times, you know. Got him. Um, and chucks that mask out the window, the one that he was spotted in. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you um, you make it back to to the apartment, back to Ed Roy's apartment, and uh, head upstairs, I guess, and um, get ready for to try and get some sleep before the uh, before the next day. Yeah, I think uh, you know he knows this won't go unanswered, uh, so definitely definitely lock up and like wedge a uh, chair at the handle of the door or something, so at least there'll be some noise if somebody tries to come in. Uh, then he's going to sleep with a shotgun. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Give me, as you um, begin to, to, hugging this shotgun, begin to drift to sleep alone in this apartment. Give me a sanity roll, please. Yeah, of course. Ooh, eight versus 42, extreme success. That's, that's how we start a session. Nice one. Uh, maybe it's because of the assistance of, uh, alcohol and coming down from this adrenaline and maybe the, the small victory under your belt, uh, you do get a good night's sleep uninterrupted by these, this strange dream that you had, uh, the previous night of this city in yellow mist on a river and you're, uh, you sleep, uh, your sleep is unadulterated by any visions or dreams or anything like that. Yeah. I think he probably wakes up, um. Feeling like the healthiest and most rejuvenated he has the whole time we've played because he's been sleeping like shit since before the game started, you know. <laughs> um, yeah. Wow. I guess Arson feels great. <laughs> well, the next morning, um, as you probably uh, sleep in a little late because uh, you're up quite late and have had a huge day uh, sort of trudging through the swamps. Um, so you're awoken, feeling fresh, um, but to a knock at the door. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, I think he carries the shotgun with him. He's real paranoid. Uh, moves the chair, gets the door, um, and standing next to it. Uh, yeah, who's there? Uh, you hear a voice. It's, um, it's Detective Fillmore. Oh, Detective Fillmore. I'm surprised you dropped by. Um, you alone? Yeah. Yeah, it's just me. All right. Um, I'm going to open the door up. Now, I'm going to warn you before I do. I do have a weapon. This has nothing to do with you. Um, uh, you know, just just making you aware, officer. Or detective. Uh, and unlocks and opens the door. No, I don't have anything to worry about, do I? No, 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 no. Come on in. Can I help you with? Have a seat. Uh, you expecting company? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I am. Um, and he, as he says this, he's like locking the door again, um, making sure it's shut and locked up. Like, Come on, have a seat. I'll explain the whole thing. Um, and kind of like, I'm sure he looks pretty unhinged and the place is, you know, covered with uh, all of his investigative notes and the like the symbols and signs. Uh, but he like points the shotgun towards the uh, the snake in the jar. And I was like, oh, I, uh, I already had a visitor yesterday. Can't help but expect another. What can I do for you? Have a seat. He sits down at the desk. Uh, he looks. <laughs> he looks at this uh, snake. I'm gonna make a roll real quick. Yeah, he he sort of just looks confused and looks at you and says, uh, "You uh, you have a habit of uh, shooting pests." <laughs> uh, no, not particularly. But uh, I'll tell you what. I was trying to, uh, I was dozing off, I was trying to get some sleep. I hear a loud banging, somebody running down the hallway. Uh, pop my head out, go to see what's going on. Didn't seem like anything, so I come back, and that, that little bastard was, uh, sitting right in the middle of my office. Now, there's a certain man I seem to have pissed off, and that was most certainly a gift from him. I, uh, I expect another. This man, uh, wouldn't have anything to do with the uh, the crew of swords, would he? Uh, I mean, I believe he's tied in with one of them. Um, he didn't seem to appreciate me asking questions. Couldn't help but notice the uh, sign on your door as well. Kind of just sticking out there. Yeah, uh, he left that for me. Yep. I think he was uh, trying to make a point. But all that aside, what, what can I do for you? What uh, what brought you to drop by? Well, seeing as uh, you have a little history with the crew of swords, and seeing as they, uh, well, if your story's to believed, took it upon themselves to pay you a little visit, where were you last night, specifically around 3 a.m.? 3 a.m.? Uh, I mean, I was here. 3 a.m. Anyone can verify that? Uh, actually, I wasn't. I went out, I went out for a drive around one, I think. Uh, the party in the street was starting to die down a bit. Thought I'd have myself a look. Uh, but other than that, yeah, I was sleeping. What time did you get back from this drive? Uh, hard to say. It must not have been too late. I mean, there were still some people out in the streets. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe two. And, uh, during this drive, Mr. Cassidy... It didn't, perchance chance, happen to pay a visit to a uh, little warehouse over in the French Quarter. Warehouse in the French Quarter? No, 
Certainly not last night. I, I was there a couple days ago, though. I, I think we're talking about the same place. Uh, little spot they were making, I don't know, some some floats or something. Something for the party. Hmm. That, that is the one that I'm talking about, yes. Seems to me, uh, Mr. Cassidy, that uh, only two days ago, you came into my uh, precinct asking about the crew of swords asking about all kinds of things, and uh, they paid you a little visit with this, uh, some kind of snake. And then, uh, well, might be surprised to know that just last night, this uh, warehouse of theirs, well, happened upon some arson. Arson? Whole building burned down. Jesus Christ, the whole building? Like, he doesn't even try to act um, like he has no idea about it. You know, he doesn't act overly surprised, but, you know, because he, he wouldn't want to portray that he's acting. He's <laughs> like, ah, a warehouse built down. Well, I guess that's a dead end for me then. I was going to drop back by there, maybe tomorrow, the day after, once the float was ready, see if I could talk to this Pop Screech again. Fuck. And, like, scratches something down like he's taking some notes. Yeah, uh, boys over at Austin, uh, a couple things, well, found some, uh, signs of, uh, Molotov cocktails, you know, kind of crude home job, and, uh, a couple of witnesses as well, said they saw someone running from the scene, male, probably mid-thirties, and I thought, well, doesn't that just fit the description of my friend Mr. Cassidy? I think he like smiles and he's like, I mean, I can see why you might make that comparison. I have been investigating them, but I would say that fits the description of at least a third of the city. I mean, to be fair, no disrespect, but you were investigating the crew as well, and that fits your description. So I'm going to tell you, I haven't burned down any warehouses. Yeah, well, unfortunately, they didn't get a good look at the man's face. That's a shame. More, uh, more legwork for you. Pain in the ass. I remember that. Oh, no, no. Boys in Austin are going to be investigating this one. There's just a little overlap with that one. Fishing investigation. Seems like perhaps there's more here than we initially thought. So, uh, just following up on all the leads, you know? Well, that is the first thing you've said that I can wholeheartedly agree with. There is, uh, and he just kind of like widely gestures at all the stuff that he's pasted up on the wall. Uh, there's a lot involved in this case. I thought I was just looking into the death of a reporter. Uh, turns out, uh, I mean, it, it's a lot more than that. He sort of stands up, his eyes widen, and he begins to look at all your notes. Just, what the hell? I'm going to make a roll for our friend here. Now, I'm no psychologist, but this is looking a little crazy to me. Randall Fowler? What is this yellow king? Ah, uh, well, I could see how uh, it would uh, appear pretty crazy, and I've, I've thought that myself a couple times. Um, well, here's the short of it. This guy, Bob Screech, uh, who's involved with, you know, Crew of Swords, he's been, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, he's been, uh, well, on the take with Fowler. Fowler's been paying him quite a bit of money to 
channel or let him speak with his uh, deceased wife and child. To hear some of the other ones talk, I, I went by and talked to uh, Creighton. He seemed to think the whole thing's a scam, and it might be. But if it's a good scam, or if it's a scam, it's a good scam. Pulls out the book. Uh, turns out this symbol is all over the place. It's uh, This book is apparently some kind of occult play. I went down and talked to uh, some of the voodoo practitioners down in the uh, South Park town. They seem pretty scared of this this screech fella. Seem to think there's some credence to it. And they, I mean, they put the same symbol on my door. So, I mean, whether he's just a con man or whether he's, you know, running a hell of a graft, it's something. Hmm. Give me a persuasion, please. Yeah. Persuade. Perfect. 17 versus 10. That's a fail. So close. He um sort of frowns. He says, all these... Uh, all these crews have uh, symbols, uh, imagery. It's part of their culture. As far as I can tell, well, conning some poor widow out of his money. Uh, it's not exactly moral, but it's not really a crime as far as I can see. Oh, I, I hear what you're saying. The only crimes I can see is if your story is true, it's someone, what, broken enter? If you can place the person who did it, I could look into it, but uh, the rest of this, this is, I mean, this is crazy. What are you doing here? Yeah, look, I, uh, again, <laughs> I've, I've thought the same thing, um, and I'm just trying to follow all the strings. I mean, it is what it is. Um, listen, I went out to the swamps where all that, all that bad business went down all those years ago. Saw the same symbol out there. Carved up uh, a couple buildings deep in the swamp. Folks out there saying the same thing. You're scared of Screech? You know, this guy. Now, do I believe, and he's going to try to play this up, like, do I believe he controls some kind of dark magic? Probably not. But, I mean, he's known. He's connected. He's got something going on. So I have to assume this is bigger than a, a simple graft. He's He's got some plan here. Now, maybe it's just to shirk all the money out of the crew of swords, and I'm not sure if we care about that. But uh, I tend to think if he's going through all this trouble, spending all this time, as well known as he is, he's got something bigger planned. Maybe it's frauding the whole city. I don't know. But as far as uh, breaking and entering, unfortunately, as I said, I didn't see anyone. So it's nothing I can verify. Well, like I said, arson is at my beat, so I'm not really on that. Let's just hope, for your sake, that there ain't nothing else tying you to that crime. But, uh, you say they're up to something in the swamps? Yeah, uh, well, to hear the folks talk, um, hear odd sounds at night, there's definitely traffic through there. I mean, I saw footprints all over the place. Shame I didn't bring my camera, uh, but I took a bit of a swim. Not, not on purpose, mind you, so probably better I didn't. But they've got, uh, they got some weird... Some weird stuff going on out there, and I saw human remains. Fresh? No. Some old bones. That's a little tricky. Yeah. Roll me another persuade. Seven versus ten. That one's a success. Oh! He, um... He sort of stands... So he's still standing up. He sort of takes a, another look at all of your notes, like, pinned up on the wall. And he says, well... 
if you say there's some there, if you say they're up to something out there at the swamps, um, might not be enough to go on, but I'll see if I can convince some of the boys to let us go out there and have a look around. Yeah. Anything we should know? Well, um, I will say, people I spoke to were real kind, and uh, it would probably be best if they're treated with a light hand. Good folks. Um, now that's the folks living around that area. Deeper in the swamps, might be a bit different. I mean, see what you see. But again, people I spoke to, uh, and he like, you know, pulls to memory again, um, Granny, particular older woman, uh, seemed to have a lot of respect for it. Just again, uh, you gotta do your investigation. I appreciate you taking a look, but uh, try to have a soft hand with the folks living out there. They certainly don't seem to have any any ill will towards anyone. And, uh, yeah, Detective Fillmore looks at you, sort of gives you a nod and says, Noted. Alright, well, he sort of, uh, pulls out his notebook and writes down a few notes and he says, Listen, uh, the boys from Austin might, uh, want to question you themselves, but I'll tell them that you were, uh, what? You were back here, sleeping? Yeah, I mean... I won't lie, I wish there was somebody who could verify that, but uh, that's not exactly the life I'm living these days. And kind of chuckles to himself. Look, how about this? I'm happy to talk to whoever. Uh, how about we set a time? I'll come, I'll come down to the station myself. There's no reason for them to have to trudge all the way out here. I mean, however much time they need, I'm happy to answer their questions. So you let me know when time to come in. I'll have a sit down with them. Yeah, he takes down your number and says, they might give you a call. All right, Mr. Cassidy. You have yourself a nice day. Don't get up to any trouble, okay? <laughs> well, I'm going to do my best. Uh, I intend to spend the rest of the day going over my notes, and good luck to you in your investigation. Thank you. And he sort of just gives one other look over like the apartment and sort of like takes it all in and kind of shakes his head and as he goes to leave and shut the door behind him. Give me... One final luck roll. We'll see how this resolves maybe a little later, but let's roll for it now. Ooh, 56 versus 18 fail. Okay. No problem. I think as soon as he's out of the uh, the apartment, again, locks everything up, puts the, uh, puts the chair back under the door, and, like, lets out a deep breath and, like, looks down at his hands shaking. Like, that definitely was not... Um, just as easy as he felt like it was. Um, he's probably already feeling the stress. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. You hear about Detective Noel Fillmore leaves, leaving you there in the apartment with your thoughts for a moment. I guess trying to figure out what you're going to do. You're not sure whether or not uh, he's going to look into this, uh, look into this cult, or whether or not the police might even listen to uh what sort of notes he has on whether they'll bring you in for questioning what who knows yeah um i think at least for a couple hours again as he's kind of indicated to the detective a couple times jack is very much expecting some kind of slap back um so he's gonna hold up in the apartment again at least for a couple hours at least until like midday maybe a little bit later um keep going over his notes watch out the window, you know, act real, real paranoid um, and see what happens. And if nothing happens, come like, again, around a little bit later than midday, maybe one, two o'clock, he'll, he'll drive over the mask store. Yeah. 
Yeah, of course. You, um, you know, yeah, you finally summon the courage to leave, drive, drive over to, to this store where you are having this bespoke mask made for you. As you um, emerge from um, your car and, you know, there's just more sort of partying going on in the streets. Um, so you uh, head down the street to head to this shop. As so you walk down the street to head to the shop, you, um, you overhear two people talking. They look like regular people, but you can't help but catch on to what they're saying as one of them sort of throws his arms up in the air, looking at the other, and he says, Oh no, my apprentice, what have I done? And he sort of looks around. There is a painless death that awaits him who can no longer bear the sorrows of this life. If death is welcome, please let me seek it here. As he drops to his knees, and you recognize these lines. These lines are plucked straight from the play. Yeah, they're for the play. Give me a sanity roll, please. Uh, 34 versus 42, success. What do you do in this moment as you see these two people acting out this scene of this play? Yeah, I think uh, as it catches his attention, he was just casually walking the shot, he just stops. Uh, and freezes and kind of watches it go down um, as they kind of deliver that last line. You know, he'll he'll shake his head, uh, probably wipe his eyes, and he'll watch a little bit further, wondering, like, fuck, is this really happening, <laughs> you know? Or have I just lost it? As you sort of um, pause for a moment and blink, you look back at them. Um, they're just having a normal conversation. It's like literally just snaps in that whole scene some like it didn't happen no one's reacting to it and they're just continuing their normal conversation uh yeah again jack like you know shakes it, shakes it off stretches his eyes uh kind of holding the bridge of his nose uh, goes to reach for his flask and like things to himself off maybe that's the problem um and then turns around and starts to head into the mask shop <laughs> Uh, yeah, the guy uh, sees you coming in. A few people in there, and he says, Afternoon, friend. Ah, uh, yeah, how are you today? Yeah, uh, pretty, pretty well. Just uh, give me a tick, would you? Absolutely. And he, uh, yeah, uh, goes sort of back behind a little curtain and emerges for a second and places something down in front of you and opens it up, and you see this beautiful, like, porcelain white mask that sort of goes off into this this sort of elongated, not like a beak, but almost kind of like a, a beak as this sort of ghostly phantom mask. And then behind the eyes are these black veils so that the wearer, you can't even see the eyes beyond them. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Jack looks it over and it makes him uncomfortable and that's exactly what he was going for. Um, and so he like grins at the keeper. He's like, wow, you, uh, mm. you really outdid yourself. Oh, thank you. It was fun to make. Um, it's a, a little different from uh, what most people ask for. Yeah, I uh, I can see why. Um, honestly, just based off the description, I pictured something not quite this, but this far exceeds uh, anything I could have imagined. You again, you do some great work. Do you mind if I ask you what the theme of the party is? Oh, it's uh, it's just a masquerade ball. But 
I mean, to my to my knowledge, but these guys, uh, they uh, they have an interest in some old stories, and in uh, one of these old stories, somebody wears a mask like this. So I thought it might uh, ingratiate me to them. Hmm. Well, let's try it on. And, you know, he goes to sort of uh, you know assist you in sort of placing it around your head and sort of making sure it's all good and and everything fits. And yeah, it seems to fit just fine, comfortably as it slips onto your face if you allow him to put it on. Yeah. Yep. Give me a sanity roll. <laughs> there it is. 20 versus 42, hard success. All right. You, um, yeah, you, you kind of lose yourself in a moment as like, you know, your vision sort of blocked out and you sort of breathe in and, and you sort of think about this story about this phantom and how he sort of went through the night and enacted his revenge. But, um, you sort of snap out of it. Yeah. I mean, even having that momentary thought, um, Jack probably finds himself grinning um, and like shakes it off. What the fuck is wrong with you, man? What's going on with you? Um, but yeah, if once the once the mask is back off after he fitted it, um, Jack will overplay how pleased he is with the work. He's uh, you know very happy that you're pleased as uh, you finish up paying for the uh, the other half of it. He sort of begins to wrap it up in some like soft paper to keep it safe and putting it into this uh, this padded box and sort of ties a little ribbon around it and slides it over to you. This is, uh, anything else? Let me ask, have you gotten any other special orders recently? Special? Well, not too many. Huh. I mean, nothing like this at least. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, Let's say this isn't my last ball, and I'd like to think it's the first of many. I will. I will bring all my business to you. And again, like, offers a hand. Gives you a hand and shakes it. Says, well, pleasure. You too. You have a good day, sir. Um, and he'll he'll take the... Is it in a box, or...? It's in a box, yeah. Yeah, he'll he'll tuck the box under his arm, um, tip his cap, and head out. Yeah, you step out into the, the rainy afternoon. Yeah, I think uh, on the way back to the car... He, he probably watches everyone around him to see if he has another one of those moments. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You look around and uh, sort of like very paranoid as you walk back to the car and sort of jump in and, and sort of escape the rain, shut the door. Uh, you do see off in the distance, though, another one of those flags flapping uh, in the stormy breeze. Yeah. Hmm. I mean... Nah, he'll save it for later. I was going to say, he just it'd be real ridiculous and put that mask on before he tears the flag down. But <laughs> we'll, we'll save the mask for, you know, the party moment. Uh, he he <laughs> tucks the mask box, like, under uh, the passenger side seat so it's not in sight. Um, drive over to where the flag is, get out, rip it down. Yeah, you climb this building and rip this sign down. You see someone there like, hey, what are you doing? Listen, you don't want this up. I mean, hang anything else up. But this, you don't want hung up. All right? Whatever, buddy. Yeah, whatever, buddy. Now, you'll be thanking me when your brain's not melted by an otherworldly god, he says, like, totally matter-of-factly about it. (laughs) I think he climbs back down, uh, goes back to the car, throws the flag in the trunk. Yeah, you throw the flag in the trunk and hop back into the car and I guess... Heading back to the, back to the offices, right? Yeah, I, um, I think, I, I think he would like instinctively want to go to the police station and just get it out of the way, 
but maybe thinks to himself that will come across as guilty. Um, so I'm, I'm just going to go home. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah, no problem. Um, so it's Wednesday. You've still got uh, two more days until the evening of Randall Fowler's party. If there's anything that you want to do, otherwise, I mean, what does Jack do to, I guess, kill time? I guess waiting in between waiting for either the police to speak with you or... Yeah, I, th- I think... The party to arrive. Uh, there's not a whole lot more that he wants to investigate. Like the big, you know, hanging thread is Fowler and he does not want to approach him before the party. Um, so yeah, it's probably essentially a montage of him taking more notes, going through everything, trying to make every connection he can, probably drinking too excessively um, and very, very paranoid pacing around his apartment, just waiting for, you know somebody from the crew to show up or the police to show up. <laughs> uh, but I don't think he's going to run off any more leads. He's just going to bide his time. Yeah. And again, sleeping with the shotgun, sleeping with uh, something wedged in the door to alert you of anyone's presence, that kind of thing. Yeah, I, I think his paranoia level, um, and at this point, uh, I mean, getting to be obsession as he's literally surrounded himself with this sign and all of the notes and symbols, uh, he's, he's probably barely eating, like... You know, definitely not shaving. Not not. He he's probably starting to look about as ragged as you know he is. Mm. Uh, nonetheless, um, you're going to regain another hit point. Actually, you're going to regain two by this evening. So if you want to put your hit point total, you gain one per day. So I'll put you up another two hit points back to your total. All right, for the time being. Yeah, back up to eleven. And uh, that evening is. Jack Cassidy finally drifts off to sleep. Give me another sanity roll, please. 46 versus 42. That's a fail. That's a fail. Again, you awake to find yourself at the shore of this lake. Beneath the starry sky as more of this yellow fog drifts. You see the city across. This time, not illuminated. The lights are off and the buildings being engulfed by yellow fog. The fog turns ashy grey, and the sky, you know, turning grey as well, but started with these stars that shine extremely bright like diamonds. Give me an ideas roll. I say ideas, I meant intelligence. In, in the older editions, it was called ideas as well. Sorry, that's to see if something occurs to you. I meant an intelligence roll. Oh, okay. Yeah, no worries. Oh, 92 versus 70, a fail. Yeah, no problem. You know, the lake, once still, begins to, like, lap at your toes. And uh, you find yourself uncontrollably just walking out, arms outstretched into it. Um, I'm going to... I'm going to roll a d3. So you, arms outstretched, begin to submerge yourself in this lake... So you just wander out, not swimming, not floating, just begin to step until your body is fully submerged and wet. And you begin to drown. Oh, man. But you just kind of let it wash over you. And then all of a sudden you begin to choke. And you wake up drenched in cold sweat. After losing those two points of sanity... Roll me a d10, please. All right. That's a five. 
Cool. No problem. You awaken on the couch covered in sweat and you see a figure in the room standing over you as it steps out of the shadows towards you. What is your ex-wife's name? <laughs> I actually forgot. Let's <laughs> oh. <laughs> see if I put it in notes. We haven't talked about it in a couple weeks. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, I, I don't think on recording I gave her a name. Um, so I'm just going to go with like Molly. Molly. Well, yeah, you see uh, Molly in a, um, a nightgown sort of step out sort of reach a hand, the back of her hand out to your face as she says darling, you're sweating, are you okay? did you have a bad dream? is there something I can roll here? you already failed your sanity roll because I I feel like he yeah, (laughs) I was going to say I feel like he's terrified I don't think he would be comforted by this I think he would uh, be trying to like pull himself back on the couch away from her yeah, seeing you recoil to her touch, she sort of steps back and says, Darling, what's wrong? You're not here. You're in Chicago. What? You're not. She says, we're in Chicago, darling. Um, no. And as you look upon the room, you are in your bed in Chicago. Oh, man. Uh. Yeah, I think he like, uh, looks around and like bolts up in bed. Uh, um. No, I'm, I'm, how did I get here? I'm, I'm in New Orleans. This, I haven't seen you in years. What? Darling, you're sounding crazy. She takes a step towards you. Just darling, what? What's going on? It's, you're stressed. It's work. Don't. It's starting to get to you. Don't touch me. You're not real. This, none of this is real. Where is he? Where's who? Screech. Screech. Where is Screech? What are you talking about? This is some kind of trick. Screech. She sort of, you know, tries to take another step towards you and says, Darling, you've got to stop working so much. It's starting to get to you. He takes another step back and, like, holds his hand out, like, open palm towards her and points, like, Don't touch me. You're not real. This isn't real. This didn't happen. Um, And he's going to try to go towards the door. Yeah. As you sort of bound out and sort of, like, rush out of bed and rush for the door in the bedroom um she is going to try and grab you in her arms to stop you from running i think like the minute that she actually touches him he just loses all resistance like it'll freeze him cold yeah she'll grab you and as you sort of gently fall into her arms she's like shh shh and she starts stroking your head and she says it's okay it's safe now we're safe here here in carcosa <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I think initially he did go calm. Um, having kind of convinced himself, this is just a bad dream, it's fine. As soon as she says Carcosa, he, he will. Uh, not quite violently, but get away from her as quickly as possible. Try to try to like throw himself up um, and run. Yeah, you... Uh... You, you know, push her off you. And uh, in that moment, you awake on the couch, still in cold sweat, this time alone, hearing nothing but the wind and the rain on the, uh, you know, battering the window. Yeah, I, I 
I think he uh, almost hits the fetal position and rocks back and forth for a minute, it, like breathes it out. Uh, yeah. Get up and find a drink. You uh, immediately get up and, and pull out uh, Ed Roy's bottle of uh, scotch that by this point is almost finished. You pour the last of it out into a glass and begin to drink. Yeah, that dream was appropriately creepy as hell. I'm just going to grab something real quick. Uh, 159 from the book. There is a list here that I'm going to get you to roll from. Okay. Ah, here we are. Roll me a D100, please. Just a single one. That is 67. As your hand shakes and you pour this, this whiskey out into a glass, um, the last of the bottle, sort of wait for every drop to, to leave and sort of knock it back, um, you're terrified of falling asleep again for the dreams that might come. And uh, mechanically speaking, that means that you have onerophobia, a fear of dreams. Fear of dreams? Wow. I mean, that also works really well with the bad dreams and with uh, Grandma talking about dreams open a door that you can't close. Uh, yeah, well, he's not going back to sleep then. <laughs> yeah, you could try and stay up all night, I guess. I, I think he just starts taking notes. Um, like one you know, flips to the middle of his notebook or something. Um, and on the, the left side writes everything that he can think of that he believes is true or real. And then on the right writes everything that he's seen or experienced that he's not sure about. Um, spends a lot of time trying to reconcile those lists. Definitely, definitely. Instead of sleeping. And, um, yeah, you 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 try and stay up all night. I imagine drinking as much coffee as you can, smoking, trying to figure out, uh, keeping yourself up. Yeah, you know, any means necessary. Stop yourself from falling asleep. It's quite a while to try and stay awake between now and Friday evening, the night of the the party. <laughs> but uh, I guess it's worth trying. Yeah, worth a shot. <laughs> if he wasn't seeing things before, he certainly will be now. <laughs> yeah, give me a, a constitution to try and stay up all night. All right. That is a 19 versus 80 hard success. He really doesn't want to sleep. You've done this before as well. Uh, in the trenches, you know, keeping watch. You're used to staying up long stints, I guess, as well, uh, doing stakeouts. Um, so you're fine. You manage to keep yourself awake with not too much detriment. By the time the sun comes in, you kind of get your second wind. And you're not feeling too bad. Although a little shaken. Yeah, just pacing around. Um, and I guess you continue to sort of go over your notes and keep yourself safe in this apartment. If that's the plan. Until, until uh, later that afternoon... The phone rings. Uh, yeah, this is Jack Cassidy. How can I help you? Oh, Jack, uh, it's, uh, Sunstrom. Charlie Sunstrom. Ah, Mr. Sunstrom. How you doing today? I'm not bad. I just wanted to check in on how the, uh, investigation was going. Um, have you, uh, well, we've got a bit of a lead on something we're going to put in the papers tomorrow. Just wanted to run it by you if you had heard anything. Oh, what you got? Heard of a fella called Fillmore? 
Detective. Yes, I'm rustling a paper. Detective Noah Fillmore. Oh, yeah, I've met him. He seems like a good man. What about him? Well, uh, this is just going on sources. Nothing to confirm yet. Of course, the police aren't saying anything. But, uh, well, he's, uh, so far still missing. Missing? Uh, what? When? Yeah. It's, uh, well, it seems since, uh, I guess, uh, last night this morning, his, uh, family, colleagues, uh, don't seem to know where he was going. He was, uh, part of a, uh, team, I guess, looking into the, looking into the crew. Yeah, uh, I could verify that he was. Uh, he and I spoke at length about it, to be honest. I just saw him yesterday, was it? I, I think yesterday. He came by to talk to me about all this business. He went missing last night. That's right. Any idea where he was? Was he was he out in the swamps? Haven't been able to get confirmation on swamps. Uh, don't don't worry about that. What, what were you saying? I'm sorry. Well, I, I was saying I haven't been able to get confirmation on what he was uh, exactly looking into, where he was exactly. My source says he was uh, trying to get some men to look into something, but uh, apparently uh, no dice was supposed to go home, but. Uh, well, last night, this morning, didn't didn't come home last night, didn't come to work this morning. Ah, uh, um, shit. All right. There are things I want to tell you that I think might help you understand the situation, but considering what you have just told me, I'm a little concerned um, that sharing what I have learned will put you in danger. What do you mean? Well, like I said, the detective came by my office yesterday. I shared my notes with him as he's been looking into the crew himself. We spoke a bit about, well, he talked to me last time I saw him about some of the things he'd learned about the crew. And I suggested he have a poke around um, out in the swamps. I went down there myself. I saw some, some things that, well, nothing you want to put in print. Uh, so it would seem what I'm sharing at length with him might have been something he shouldn't have known. Maybe somebody doesn't want information getting out. I know this sounds crazy, but it's all I can imagine. You think he went down to those swamps down there? I mean, he might have, uh, or he said he had... You know, his own leads, he was falling up. Maybe he just got too close to a uh, wrong person in the crew. Which uh, person is that, you figure? Well, I mean, if I had to guess the uh, person involved that you don't want on, on their bad side, that would be a man named Pop Screech. Voodoo Man. That's the one. One and the same. Listen, there, I mean, again, there's a lot of things I can share with you, um, and I intend to once everything's buttoned up and closed. Uh, but in the meantime, as you've just told me, he's gone missing. I'm not sure holding all this information is the safest thing. They already tried to kill me. Well, I don't really, I don't really follow how 
information alone is going to put me in danger, Mr. Cassidy. Well, if you feel confident in that, uh, then I'll tell you everything I know. And yeah, do you just proceed to tell him kind of everything? Yeah. I think I think with that, it's a, you know, that quick shot <laughs> time skip where yeah. he does tell him everything, whether it sounds insane or not. Um, and, you know, solidifies it all with he has photos, he has drawings, he has documentation. Give me, I'm not going to say persuasion. I'm actually going to say... Um, uh, this is a power role, which is kind of like your force of will, I guess, to see how much you kind of hold it together and coherently kind of yeah. piece together everything that's happened. Oh, that's a 93 versus 50. I mean, with the lack of sleep and everything going on, it makes sense that he's probably not sounding very uh, coherent. Yeah. You're probably babbling a little. There's a pause on the other end of the line. You almost wonder if you've lost him for a second. So... Um, Listen, I really don't know what to make of all of this. Uh, There's nothing I can print. Nothing that's not going to lead to a lawsuit anyway. And this Papa Screech fella, I mean, it's hard to uh, find anything on him. Records on a name like that. But uh, if I try and print any connection to Fowler, the crew, well, like I said, wealthy people with deep pockets. Gonna have a libel case on our hands. Something that we can't afford. Not, not, not here at the paper. No way. We have a reporter that killed himself, and uh, a missing uh, detective. Well, nothing that your average person would think twice about, really. How about this? I don't know if this is something you want to run, but. If you can't point to anyone in the crew, why not uh, run a story uh, in remembrance of uh, the events that happened in 07 and um, how they had a particular Colin card, a symbol. Um, don't print the symbol. I would suggest, I mean, you do what you think is right. But that symbol is uh, the Colin card of Pop Screech. So, whether it's just conjecture or not, You'll see it all over town. I've been tearing them down. That might be something that gets people's attention. And, I mean, nobody can hit you with defamation over that. You can see it with your own eyes. Now, you would know, Jackson Cassidy, that that's not actually true. Um, the yellow sign is something that you hadn't seen before until this point. Um, and there was no connection in any of the evidence from the old case and any of the clippings or any of the files that indicated anything about Hasta King or this sign. Yeah, but I think he believes it is. <laughs> you know, I, I think he very much yeah, believes it yeah. enough that he's going to sell it as truth. So whether or not he would print something like that without uh, having the hard evidence to back it up, he's going to sort of swallow and ask you. It's like, is there uh, any evidence to back that up, linking this sign with that horrible event? Something you can send me. Well, uh, listen, um, when I went out to the swamps, like I was talking about a couple minutes ago, uh, I did see that symbol carved in the uh, the huts out there. These people, uh, same folks apparently, or same group of folks who might have involved all those years ago, uh, and they had this symbol again carved in carved in their buildings and all over the place, and some kind of altar. Now, unfortunately, I did not bring my camera with me, um, which is good because I took a bit of a dip in the swamp. But I mean, I'm not saying send somebody out there to take photos but if you did 
it's there. The symbol's out there. Yeah, it's marked up on their buildings. Interesting. Well, all right. Maybe that is something we could look into. Well, as I said, just be careful if uh, something happened to the detective. I mean, I don't know if it happened out there, but it could have. Um, and I appreciate you calling, telling me detective's missing. I'll look into that myself. And again, I assure you, I'm going to find out what happened to your boy. Like, that is the goal of all of this. He kind of thinks to himself, remembering that was the goal of all of this. Hmm. And he just sort of sighs on the other line, on the, side, on the other side of the line. It's like, man, why couldn't he have been looking into bootleggers or something? This is, this is crazy. Well, it is crazy, but I can uh, tell you from my own experience, looking into bootleggers might be more dangerous. Oh, maybe you're right. Well, thank you, uh, Jackson. I appreciate the... Uh, the intel. Of course. If I get anything more solid, I'll, uh, I'll ring you up. I hope to wrap this up in the next couple of days. You look after yourself, okay? Yeah. Well, I will endeavor to. You as well. Alright. And yeah, he will hang up. Yeah, I think, I think, uh, Jack immediately, like, one last look around, grabs his hat, grabs his coat, uh, Looks at the shotgun, trying to decide if he's going to bring it or not. Locks it in the gun safe. Uh, make sure he has his, his pistol. And heads out. He's, he's going to go, you know, begrudgingly leave with no sleep and try to see if he can find anything out about the detective gone missing. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. Where are you going to begin with that one? Um, I mean, first thing, I guess, is uh, heading down to the precinct that I know he operated out of. Um, and they may not be willing to talk to me, but asking them if they have seen the detective as I uh, have some questions regarding my own investigation. Not let on that I know he's missing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you, you know, you walk in there and a few people um, are kind of busy and um, as you begin mentioning his name, um, you know, there are a few plainclothes officers around. Give me a luck roll, actually. Oh, that's a four out of 18. Hard success. Um, one of them is like, uh, like it tries to brush you off and is like, is like confused. Like, we, we can't talk to you about that. But, um, you see, um, Malot, the plainclothes police officer there as well, um, who sort of interjects and comes over and it's like, Detective Cassidy. Oh yeah. Officer Malot. How are, uh, how are you today? Good, good. And he turns to the, 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 the detective who was trying to, um, brush you off and he sort of says, um, this is a uh, Detective Cassidy. He was... Looking into the uh, the horrors of the swamps uh, the, the, that happened all those years ago. And he says, the detective looks at you and looks you up and down and says, so you're the one. You're the one who got it into uh, Fillmore's head that he should head down there, huh? Uh, I mean, I, I went down to the swamps myself and I mentioned it to him that I saw some things out there. Is, I mean, is that where he's at? I'll go meet him if he needs some, some support, some backup. Um... And this detective kind of, he, he's, he, he also looks kind of young and not too sort of old and curmudgeonly. I say young, but like he, he's sort of baby faced. He's probably uh, late 30s, um, sharply dressed, neat hair, um, dark hair. And he sort of shakes his head and he says, listen, I, I, I don't blame you for, for wanting to look into it, okay? Um, 
he sort of came back here asking about it <sighs> and his connection to the crew, all that sort of stuff, trying to get, uh, trying to get some boys to go down there and check it out, but, uh, no one did, um, didn't come back. We haven't, uh, been down there yet ourselves. I guess I'll be frank with you. I was going to. I'm his partner, and he extends his hand. He says, uh, Lamont. Claude Lamont. Yeah, Shake. Uh, I guess formally introduce myself again, although I've, I've been introduced. Jack has cast you well. If you're, if you're trying to head out, I would, uh, I'd love to watch you back there, officer, or detective. And he sort of looks around and... I don't want this on my conscience. If something happened to him, and I had anything to do with it, I mean, I ain't gonna sleep. He kind of looks around and sort of looks at, um, Malot and goes... And sort of jerks his head and Malot kind of... Uh, 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 yeah, yeah, and leaves. And he says, listen, we were about to wind up this investigation until, well... Till Fillmore went missing, but uh, Molot there says you used to be an officer, detective. I was, yes, sir, in uh, Chicago. Oh God, I'm gonna regret this, but uh, all right. You want to ride with me then? Absolutely. You got a piece? Um, I, I don't think he says anything. He just kind of slightly lifts his coat to show that he has a like a proper service weapon. And he sort of taps you on the uh, on the back of the shoulder. He says, "Good man." All right. Uh, and he turns back and says um, to another uh, plank left officer, "He's like, uh, I'm going to take my leave. Um, I'll see you guys later." And sort of turns and he's like, "Let's go." And sort of quickly walks out of there. Yep. Absolutely. Go with him. Yep. Jump in the car. Yeah, as you guys uh, exit the police station, and he sort of walks to, you know, to his uh, to his vehicle. I guess that's where we'll we'll leave this one. Yeah. All right. Oh man, poor detective. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Well, I'm already looking forward to uh, seeing how that plays out. Yeah, yeah. Revisiting the swamps this time in the evening. Who knows what you might find? Yeah. Thanks again, man. See you next time. We'll see you next time. <laughs>